Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to another high resolution. I'm Seamus Byrne. The very first time I visited Melbourne's indie game developer hub, The Arcade, a good few years ago now, I met some of the fine folks from League of Geeks. I've always loved their passion for making polished games and their attitude towards building a positive and inclusive company. So I'm really excited that this week's show is a chat with two of the leading lights on their team, co-founder and design director Blake Mitzi and lead producer Lisey Kane. It's a really fun chat with two people that I do admire a great deal in the local scene, and we spend a lot of time talking about the culture they've cultivated at the company, as well as how their great game, Armello, has evolved over the years since its launch. I think there's lots of suggestions lurking in here about how you too might find your way in the games industry, or, or how to strive to build a great culture. But Blake kicks us off with his thoughts on founding the studio back in 2011. Yeah, well, for us, Lee, I think we've said this a few times, but we really created the studio as a um, reaction to how we've worked in other places and we saw the changing times in other studios. And we just wanted to work somewhere where we really enjoyed the art of making games and we could focus on the on the craft as well as the games we made. And like, like I wake up in the morning and everyone we work with is awesome. Um, and, you know, it's very proud when we actually got our first studio space and actually managed to like paint the walls and do all of that. And, you know, the founders are in there ourselves and we were putting green paint up on the wall and making it nice and be able to put in, um, Megan, our studio manager, when she came on board, she got the right ratio of pot plants to humans. Um, <laughs> Just things like that are important to make the space yeah. feel good and have good creative energy. And then I think like bringing like people like Lisi coming on board too and shaping and honing all of our policies, um, driving diversity within the company um, and how we professionally grow everyone. That has been enormous too because it's made us just a better studio and I guess opened our eyes to a lot of um, how companies can be better and better employers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think uh, like I've got a lot of the benefit coming in as I, this was my first like proper industry gig, like out of, outside of um, university and my previous life as, as a, as a bank employee. But um, a big thing that I'm really focusing on and we've been focusing on for a while now is like, how do we, how do we make a career in game sustainable? And how do we make a career in games enjoyable? Like making games is such an exciting thing to be part of, but it obviously comes out with a lot of burnout and a lot of exhaustion. And we're seeing like it is an industry, it's seen as a young industry, right? There's a lot of young people in it, um, but we want it to be like a lifestyle. Like we want it to be for the rest of our lives. So how do we do that? So it's something that Trent and I and the leadership team are focusing on a lot at the moment is we believe there's a way to make games sustainably and we're trialing out everything, reviewing all of our processes, like Blake was saying, to to really make sure that we can do that. So for me, it's a it's a personal thing as well because I've never been on that side of of the the dark side of the the games industry. So I'm doing everything in my power to make sure that I'm here for like, you know, 20, 20 odd years making games and, and doing it in a way that I can still have a personal life. I can still um, enjoy it and have, have the fun in it. 
and also, you know, bring other people through that industry and through that journey and, and that to potentially be their only experience, right? Like what, what a joy would that be if we had people coming through the industry and they genuinely love what they do and get to, to make it in a sustainable way. These are obviously all very uh, loft, lofty goals and I think we're doing a great job in doing that, but it, it, is, it is really hard work. It's something we're constantly having to spend time on. You can't, just, you can't just look away and expect it to keep going. It's something that you have to pay attention to. Yeah. And look, you know, again, here sort of at the, at the top of the discussion, I'd like, you know, give us some of those kinds of points of pride you feel like have been things that you've achieved over the years that really you feel like stand out because, you know, I think we don't always get to sing our own praises. I'm offering you that <laughs> chance. Tell me why you feel like League of Geeks really has managed to, I guess, live up to some of these ideals that you had right there at the start. I think if I jump in first, uh, it's hard often for especially the founders for us to like actually see the like the forest for the trees sometimes. And we we start this thing um, where we go away in the first week of January every year just to strategically review the whole company. You know, we update the logbook and we we create like a poster which is like priorities on a page. But also like mid year, we get like these financial updates from our um, from our, our leadership team about how many new people we've employed and new policies that have rolled out and all these things. And sometimes it's just like so surprising how much gets done in the 12-month cycle. But the thing that really surprises me is I think um, every day feels like chaos. <laughs> it always feels like, you know, things are on fire and everything else. But the thing that um, makes me feel good, though, is that we're always fighting new problems. So we're not fighting, like, we're not making the same mistakes. Like, we're not... Every time it's a new problem and it means we, we solved the last one and now we're pushing into new territory. And I think that's a positive thing. And the concept that there'll never be, there'll never be problems and there'll be a perfect development cycle is impossible. But mm. if we're just constantly not making the same mistakes and making new ones, like, <laughs> that's got to be a great place. Yeah. It's <laughs> a really good point. That's a really good point. I think for me, it's, um, it's for me, it's really about the people. I think a, a couple of things that have been really exciting for me to see, I'm on my almost sixth year now in at League of Geeks. And uh, we, we've seen a lot of folks within the team have their own journeys in their careers at League of Geeks. And like, as an example, we have um, an amazing junior engineer, Tash. She started off as um, a QA, in QA. She was um, at university, we needed a part-time job. So we we found her, we hired her, and she's been with us through her, you know, graduating her second degree or third degree, I think she was. And we've we're working through and like building her career at League of Geeks, which I think is something for like an indie studio starting off. Like she interviewed with us at the old arcade, like back in the day. She that was how long ago she started her journey with us. And now she's like growing into, you know, a, a really great track in the engineering team. Um and and outside of that. We've also been able to hire people that are like, you know, the people that I dreamed that I could work with. Like we're now working with more new people than that original crew at League of Geeks. So we're like mm -hmm. hiring someone like Megan, our studio manager, was really exciting for me, like being genuinely excited about these new people bringing their new ideas to the team. So she's ex-Cartoon Network, um, bringing in like all the things she's learned there as their head of talent over there was like that's kind of a dream, right? Like, especially in, in Melbourne, Australia, like bringing these people into this team outside of games and bringing their skills in has been really, really awesome. And, and we have just like, like, we have so many, you'd have the same reaction, Blake. Like I still remember being like in that 11 person studio and now we're 38, like 40, 45, probably by the end of the year. It's like, it's really, really shocking sometimes. And it's oh, hard it's to do it sometimes when we're on Slack and not, at, not in the studio, but it's like, it's amazing. It's so incredible. <laughs> And to hear that we added, we um we only found out from our um internal um leadership <laughs> team, but we were told recently we we added twenty new people to the company in the last twelve months. Yeah, and that blew our own minds away. It was just um, that wasn't a yeah. growth rate that we were expecting necessarily. Yeah. yeah. Um. Now, look, also, I think some, oh, yeah, yeah. Now go ahead. I was just going to say, and the interesting thing is, we get a lot of people who've worked with us coming back. <laughs> which that's, is also that's, yeah lovely. it's really awesome yeah it's been that's been great yeah it's a gravitational force <laughs> <laughs> we always joke you'll be back you'll yeah. be now yeah. you'll be back. <laughs> um so look let's talk a bit about armello it's like it feels like you know the gift that keeps on giving in this sort of industry i mean i'd you know love some sort of some thoughts there on just you know we won't dig too much into i think if someone is listening to this and they don't know what 
uh, Mello is, you know, please go and look it up. Go and buy it. You should have it. Everybody should own this game by now. Um, but, you know, what do you feel like, you know, was there a plan there early on for it to have such a long-term kind of life cycle? Or was it more that as the response grew that you were able to, you know, to just kind of respond to the fact that there was such a community around it that it, it kind of almost deserved to keep on going? You know, what, what was the story? I, I think you've told the story already. Now. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was certainly that. It was, we, um, we, we, we sort of planned a bit of content that just never made the game for launch. Um, and we before launch, we were in this early access cycle and there wasn't really the term, games of service at that time was really just a mobile thing. It wasn't yeah. a thing that any console or um, PC game was doing. Um, but we were updating the game constantly through early access and we were called out as one of like the top 10 games doing early access right, talking to the players, getting feedback, adopting the feedback and even crediting the players for the suggestions and stuff. Awesome. in the game that was going into the updates. Um, and that really indeed this beautiful community around us. Um, and we were really engaging with the community. Like they really gave us some of the best ideas for the game. It became our game and their game. Um, and then post-launch, there was just all, there was the whole pressure of launch. There was just heaps of stuff that didn't make the build. So we did an update. And the update actually gave us like almost as much revenue as the launch. And the launch wasn't a great launch. Like it really was like, it was kind of like those rocket scenes where they wipe the rocket and it sort of fizzles out on the pad. <laughs> so that, that was that was pretty heartbreaking, pretty depressing. But with each update, like the momentum just kept building. And um, I think that gave us faith that we were doing the right thing. And we just kept doing it. And we really enjoyed it. I think there's a really beautiful satisfaction loop for developers when you get to keep building and improving and fixing things. And then it, it reached the eventual vision we had for the game. And you know, and unlike George Lucas, you didn't kind of slowly destroy the thing you loved. You <laughs> you kept bringing people more of what they liked. That's, that's right. That's why we have to take our hands off soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, look, it's been a very weird year, you know. And I think for particularly for a studio that feels like it is such a kind of you know you have a lot of you know love with your internal community as well as the the player community. But you know, how has the journey been, I mean, you're there in Melbourne, clearly you're sort of in lockdown again at the moment. Like how hard has it been to sort of, you know, and I think we'll talk about the fact that you're even working on new projects kind of a little later, but I think mm -hmm. it just feels like in general for um, for a, a studio like yours that it, it just, I, I just get a sense it might be particularly hard to not be able to be there collaborating in person in that way. It's excruciating. It's it's honestly excruciating. And we we're ever the optimists. I feel like a lot of the team when we first headed into lockdown, we we went into lockdown. We went to work from home pretty early on, like because um obviously Blake and the founders had their own um their own how how we wanted to handle it. And we want one of the big key things is that we wanted to make sure that League of Geeks um, for our internal crew we were leading um, through uncertain times with a lot of certainty. So we made a very good call early on to go work from home so we could at least prepare ourselves for it. And we always thought we kept going, okay, we'll be back in the studio next month. It'll be fine. Oh, we'll be back in the studio next month. It'll be fine. Oh, this is just fun. It's fun. This is really fun, right? We're just, haha, we're taking it easy. And then it became very clear that this was having an impact on everyone. And um, it's it's been incredibly, incredibly hard, especially with um, not only a new project that we're working on, but having to onboard staff. That was like a, a huge thing for us. How do you make sure people that are new to the team, it's isolating and scary at the best of times, but then having to do it and then only having the only point of contact is through Slack and through Zoom. It's really, really, really difficult. And I, I will say we still haven't, we're still going through it right now. Like we're still constantly having the battle of having to our leadership team and studio manager Chanel, like really balancing, like looking after mental health and taking care of a team, especially for those that are parents like, honestly, I feel like I've got it easy in comparison to some of those parents. Like they're having to go through lots of difficult um, personal um, uh, personal things as well as having to work on a game. So it's really, really difficult. Um, but, you know, we're, we're trying to use every single one of our, you know, our skills and advantages that we have in regards to like we're asking lots of different studios, we're talking to different people, we're doing lots of research, we're constantly checking in with the team. But it's still, it's still really hard. It's still like we want to be back in the studio. We want to be sitting next to each other and talking and hanging out. Um, the social stuff is so hard to replicate. 
and like we we still haven't really figured it out yet i think we're still working on it but yeah it sucks a lot <laughs> i think so too i also i can't believe like like the fortitude and the toughness of some parents oh when my we're on God. Zoom and they unmute and you just hear children crying it's in the background chaos. And it's just chaos. like toys and, and music musical instruments stuff yeah. you're just like oh my gosh how are you like yeah staying at your computer yeah. right now yeah it's so tough I yeah I see a lot of articles and stuff coming out about like oh working from home is the best thing we should have done this years ago and like mm. productivity is up and like companies no. will, like will never move back to the studio again I just like I, I'm so much on the other side of the fence not I think we'll always often work from home arrangements flexible work arrangements we all always have mm-hmm. but not being able to work face-to-face in a highly collaborative creative environment yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, the speed bumps, yeah. the barriers. Yeah, like, like I've done. Yeah, take weeks now, not exactly. days. <laughs> yeah, we've done lots of research. Like Trent, Trent and I have spent a lot of time. I think I've estimated our like, you know, we've slowed down to like twenty to thirty percent in regards to productivity. But I think also it's really important for like, and we try and stress this as a team. And I've been really trying to figure out ways to reiterate to this team: we're not just working from home, though. We're working through a global crisis. Mm-hmm. Like we're not. Yeah. We're not. <laughs> it's not just a fun work from home experience. It's actually like having to deal with the media, everything that's going on, social media. Like it's not just a casual thing. It's it's actually you know it it there's so it's so much bigger than that at the moment. Um, yeah, it's which sucks. Like working from <laughs> home for me used to be you know taking my laptop to some cafe in a nearby village for you know a couple of hours <laughs> to enjoy kind of where I live. But instead, it is now just at the desk in the office. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, in the spare bedroom all the time. And I mean, yeah. you know. How are you doing things like trying to help people to kind of remember like the switching off thing sometimes, right? You're working from home and so it's almost easier Mm -hmm. to then not stop working because it's right there anytime. Yeah, we definitely have, um, we have lots of, little things that we've been trying to do to help the team. Um, we have a really great uh, a Slack channel where people share all their own tips and tricks. So we've had a lot of people reach out and be like, what are people's tips and tricks? Like, for example, I'm I'm calling and speaking to you from right now from my living room, dining room and kitchen. Like I have one of those tiny little apartments where I, like it's really, really hard to switch off. Um, but we've been really making sure that all of our leads are checking in with their folks and making sure um we've all got those strategies. Um, the, the founders and, uh, basically are doing this great thing at the moment where they're encouraging, um, and I'll Blake, you could probably speak to this a bit more about the, the long weekends. Yeah. So what we're doing is we're, um, cause everyone's been saving up their leave, um, for this like magical time, not magical, but like a time when we can all go to Noosa or go. Yeah. I was meant to be in, I was meant to be in Sweden right now. Oh, I was going to be, in, I was going to be in Sweden this week. <laughs> But what we're finding is happening is because no one gets to use their leave, we're burning out. So, like, yeah. the number of sick days or mental health days are going up. And we don't, we're worried about that from a health and wellness of our staff. And the concept of an of a annual leave day or, or a holiday is to actually recharge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you're saving those up, then we're, we're burning ourselves out. Mm-hmm. So, in the absence of being able to go away, we're saying, like, hey, what we're really encouraging is let's all make sure we're taking at least a long weekend every month. And, you know, make it a three or four day weekend. Like make that three day weekend with a public holiday, make it four. Yeah. It's so good. And it's so good. We've, I've started doing that. The founders have started doing that and the leads have started doing that. I'm doing four day long weekends every month and it rolls around so quickly. It's actually, mine's about to roll around next week. And it basically, it allows us to fully recharge and fully turn off and even just not being at your computer for four days, like constantly at your computer. Cause obviously we play games outside of work too. So I play Dota after work. So I'm constantly literally in this little space 18 hours a day <laughs> so that's been a that's been a huge um i think a win for for everyone and also reiterating our our approach to mental health as well so encouraging folks if they do wake up and they are just feeling either you know physically sick or just emotionally drained and mentally drained we do encourage folks to take that time off and and not persevere through it yeah. because it's it's just not it's just not worth it it's in the long run it's a what does trent say a lot it's a it's a marathon not a sprint uh, with yeah. how we make games yeah. yeah and right now we've implemented like infinite um um mm-hmm. leave at the moment um so yeah. we're not worrying about that because you know if you're unwell you're unwell don't worry about what the number is like mm. you want to be at work you want to be at work yeah um we've we got pictionary after the team meeting on friday nights um, which is 
your team, Blake, is doing very poorly. I will say the design team is is, <laughs> yeah, is coming team. last. It's because they're too abstract. It's because they think I think it's because they think very high level, and it's <laughs> and it's interesting to see because we do it by department teams, and right. it's, and yeah. obviously the art team were like everyone's like oh the art team's going to be the best, but they overthink it too when they're drawing <laughs> it. They're like okay, okay, um, but yeah, there's there's it's it's really really um uh interesting to see how the team are adapting and it's just slowly but surely adding new techniques for them so as an example we're getting people to use their calendars and time block things a bit better like for example like i've just put in at 4 30 every day a reminder to like leave and go for a walk because if i don't have that reminder in there someone will book a meeting over it or something will happen so just encouraging all these little things that we're finding we're sharing this stuff across the team yeah and people are like kind of comparing notes and what they're what they're doing for their own um well health and wellness uh we have folks posting in like studio chat too they'll be like hey I'm going outside. I'm going to get some sun. And then that, that will remind you, shit, I should go outside and do some, get some sun as well. So we're just trying to be as like communicative as possible and sharing our own. Um, and also food's been a big thing. A lot of people are continuing to share, you know, what they're cooking for lunch, what they're having. And that's food's always been a big source of community for us as a, as a company. So pretty. we miss our lunches. Like we, that's a, obviously a big tradition when we're in the studio is having lunch together, but um, we're trying to replicate that with sharing recipes and all that kind of stuff across the team, which has been, yeah, and on that been tea, nice. We've created, um, we've tried to create a morning tea Zoom room and an afternoon tea Zoom room just to recreate, you know, those little coffee chats you have at the coffee machine. Yeah. Because that's the hardest thing. Because Zoom meetings just feel like everything's so formal. Yeah, it's how do you how do you create that informal chatter outside of work? And that's because that's the thing. We end up just spending eight hours a day actually just fully working. But if we're in the studio, we realistically don't actually work for that full time. You're, you're chatting, you're hanging out. Like I will say, I will say, Trent, my productivity has probably gone up a lot because we're not sitting next next to each other chatting all day. But you know, it it is a lot of that stuff that we don't get to do anymore, which sucks the most. I think. Yeah. I mean, it does. It feels like a lot of times that people, that, that like without that kind of social environment of a workplace, that the people are almost like more intensely locked into tasks rather than, yeah. rather than bouncing things, you know, and having those little side moments where your brain has enough space that it might solve the other problem you were thinking about mm-hmm. because you had a chance yeah. <laughs> to pause. Absolutely. The hardest thing is guilt around not getting self-delivered. Yes. Yeah. And like I suffer from, but I know I know everyone on the team does. Like, you know, things sometimes are just harder to do and you're waiting on mm. people and you told everyone standard you're gonna deliver that today mm. and you didn't. And you feel shit about it. So then Yeah. <laughs> another just- another big thing um we've actually just started trialing recently. So we whenever we plan out, we do um big planning weeks when we do a big sprint. So for every eight weeks we do a big a big meeting to discuss it. And and one thing we've started doing um from a production perspective is really, really descoping people's what we call dev days. So we, at the beginning of a sprint, we'll say you've got eight weeks, but within this eight weeks, this is the amount of work we think you'll actually be capable of. And I've been starting to actually strip that right back and really assuming that realistically in a week, an individual will only get on average three days of work done in five days. Like I'm counting, I'm basically discounting one whole day for because of COVID and isolation, it's taking a day extra to communicate. And then on top of that, just like a regular day, regardless of of our, our normalcy it's like games games are a very collaborative you know cycle so it needs to have that extra time so i'm really trying to reiterate to folks that they only are really expected to do three days of work a week and then everything else outside of it's a bonus but really honing that in and so when they're scoping their own work hopefully um, they're actually descoping their work to a sign for that. But like Blake was saying, everyone on the team, like so many people are overachievers and really trying to balance that right now is is very difficult because we want them to be able to do what they want to do, but also be very real- realistic about what they can actually achieve, which is Lisa, it's a tough uh, one. Yeah. yeah when, when you were talking about work before, um, we also have the concept of IC and GC. Do you want to? Because mm-hmm. um, I think when so you we have. Yeah. So we t- when we talk about Dev Day, so we. Um, we talk about IC and GC when we allocate these particular dev days and IC is individual contribution. So that is Blake sitting at his desk, writing out a design document. 
while we have GC, which is group contribution. So that's Blake sitting in a meeting, like going through reviews, giving feedback, um, figuring out what the team next needs to do next. And especially for our leads, because we have what we call working leads at Logs. That means they do a little bit of IC. So they try and do actual their craft because they love it as well as leading their own team. We're really trying to make sure they have a combination of both of those things. And when I calculate these, these dev days, that three days is really talking about that IC, which is their individual contribution. So we've got a lot of, I've got so many spreadsheets behind the scenes that are like trying to help figure out and predict what people's IC is so they can use that to allocate their own work to it. Um, because basically giving them the freedom to not take on as much work or that IC as possible, which is, it's still hard to do <laughs> mm. but that's a yeah it's an important distinction to be able to afford people because again there's yeah there's so many workplaces that just sort of go but you know have you done these tasks versus the and what about all the other things i had to help contribute yeah. to that aren't uh, you know a bit more ephemeral a little less obvious that are in my file yeah. folder yeah yeah, no, it's a it's an important one. We we have stand ups every day, obviously, and we still get folks to talk about that GC as well because that is just as important um, as that IC work. And I think it's something that can be, especially from like producers, like it's we we never have IC. Our work is mainly all GC, so it's we we still make sure we talk about that because obviously there is a value in it. We want to make sure that it is seen as equal across across the board. Hmm. Even though it doesn't feel like it, sometimes feeling like sitting in meetings all day doesn't feel like it's valuable, but it's it's still bringing us closer to, you know, obviously where we, we need to be. So it's yeah. just as important. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Now, look, I want to talk a bit about uh, community engagement because I think, you know, um, you know, you guys have done a really good job on that. And I think it, it I'm not sure if it kind of was part of how Armello evolved into what it became or whether it was just something that, you know, it felt like like seeing that you have that sort of consistent strategy around doing your own kind of Twitch stream days and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, on one level, it's like, has that changed at all? Have you kind of changed the way you work with the community given that we know everybody around the world is kind of dealing with this thing too? Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, just in general terms, thinking about sort of, you know, how that has developed as you know as a thing for the company and and that mm. it, it clearly feels like it's something that there's value in doing it yeah so I actually I started off as um, a community manager slash producer um, at the beginning and I and I actually I'm assuming I'm going to assume why the founders wanted this but it was something obviously you saw when you were doing your research around games as a service and early access it was something that was very clear in the indie kind of space that community management and engagement would result in good things like early access. So because because they knew they were going into early access, they knew that was something that they needed. And so part of that was obviously us reaching out to, we spoke with a bunch of different game developers and that that tie of uh, community management was consistent across a lot of those really successful, um, those titles. So we spoke closely to the folks that did... Um, Oh, Endless Legend. So we spoke a lot to them about how they approached games as a service and yeah, community. Good. Yeah, it was that was great. We learned a lot about that from them. Darkest and Dungeon Crew. Darkest Dungeon crew. Yeah, yeah. And, and all of it goes back to those, those communities, right? So that was something that we built very, very early on. And it was very also organic for us as a company. I think, 
you probably know we all love to have a chat we all love to talk like Trent you know myself and and Darcy who was our other community manager um we all like to chat we like to talk about what we love so it was very natural for us to move into areas like Twitch and uh like uh all of our forums and online spaces like we're very very active on um, Twitter as well as our Steam communities as well because that's another place that sometimes gets like left because it can it yeah. can be quite toxic but it's something that we made sure we set very clear goals and what we wanted out of our community and it and it consistently goes to our next project as well it's it's something that we see as league of geeks in total it's all about you know building these really safe spaces for different players so um and and now i think what we're really seeing uh we've got uh vix victoria is our community manager that's working on armello um but more importantly we're really focusing on uh building the community of league of geeks which i think is a big shift that we've made in the last year because we've been recruiting like like blake said we've hired 20 people over the last year and you can't just do that with you know the the hope that people know who we are we want to obviously make sure people know what we do and know what we stand for so when we actually go to market and go hey we're looking for these types of people um we have the right applicants coming through our door so we've we've actually taken all the knowledge we've had from building a great games community into building a really great brand and a, and a games a game dev community around league of geeks so vix has been working incredibly hard on that over the last like six months building recruitment strategies on how we want to be seen on um, social media our twitch streams have changed pivoted slightly to be more focused around game dev discussions and also about how to get a job in the industry and another thing I think we really see is that we really want to also share a lot of the knowledge like Blake like the founders they have so much knowledge between them and so does our leadership team and because of the fact that we don't have like IGDA monthly meetups we don't have these physical spaces anymore we're trying to figure out ways to share that knowledge across our platforms and it's not just serving for us to find people but also potentially helping other game developers in our community uh to to learn more about how to do things how we do things here yeah that's awesome and look you know you've got new news but I don't know how much of it you know, you, you say out loud yet. So we know there's a... We have this, the palm cards of the three things that we can say. <laughs> That's right. I'm like, <laughs> don't say these P words. Don't say these I'm like, yeah. yeah now, yeah, uh, I'll press the robotic mode button on <laughs> now. What can you say about your new project? <laughs> I'll let you take that one, Blake. <laughs> Spinning up the pre-recording. No. Um, <laughs> so you, you've... The announcements come out, and we've been super excited because we've been sitting on it for a little while. But the um, the partner, the, the publishing partnership with our private division has been like it's, it's been pretty amazing. Um, and I, I just want to say so much more about that. But all the crew there are really aligned with us, and we align with them. Uh, we're really excited about the new project we've been working on, and it has been percolating for a, a long time. Um, uh, and yeah, we're a fair way into that, which is great. We've still got a long way to go. Um, and obviously a lot of the new hires we're doing right now are for the new project as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to say so much more. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, I'll leave some dead air and you'll just accidentally fill it with information. <laughs> yeah, That's so fun. It's a game of chicken. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah so- I guess, yeah. I guess the only thing we can say is just we're taking what we've learned on our mellow and, and, and just really going from there and, and figuring out, a, a cool thing to do next for for our team and for our company. It's super exciting. Yeah, awesome. I, I think if you, I think if people's be a bit of Sherlock Holmes, they can start to sort of work out what we're doing. If they know what we've done before and who we are, where we're going, I think you can start. Piecing. I really don't think people will guess it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it is exciting. It's super exciting. Yeah. Should we start it, like reading the comment code on your web pages? Like, uh, you know. <laughs> It's that really funny. Time. I was so I was so paranoid. Like, uh, so obviously we've been working with private division for a little while now before it, and we follow each other on social media. Like, we follow some of the individuals on, and we've actually been friends with some of them for before our relationship anyway. So, but sometimes I was like, oh, people are totally going to know because I liked Alan's tweet once about this thing. Someone will see that and be like, put two into a games journal. And obviously, people don't actually pay that much attention. But it makes me it's so it's so paranoid when you're like covered by all these different layers of NDAs and it's yeah. like oh it's it gone to the days that we can have friendly chats about this stuff <laughs> <laughs> so one thing I did want to ask is you know given that you are you know you're kind of in a stealthy mode at the moment with developing something <laughs> new but that it's like again within sort of the environment we're in right now that 
um, you know, like I, I had a chat with Ash Ringrose a while back and he said how this all kind of started at a moment when they were, they had just pushed live. It was a really nice time for them because it's like, it was all the kind of the rewards of having just created something people could relax for a while. And, you know, it was just small oh. updates, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. Right. It's oh, good luck to you. Yeah. Um, whereas it feels like you're in a, what should be a really creative phase and it must actually make it really hard. It is literally the worst time for us. If, if it was six months from now, it would be actually, it would actually be a lot better. Like it would, wouldn't be fine, but it yeah. would be a lot better. We're at that, we're at that gnarly stage right now where we're still figuring out a lot, answering a lot of key questions. And it's, it is probably the worst time for us to have gone into this kind of phase of working. Um, and I'm sure as design director, Blake, you 100% agree with me. Oh, gosh, it's so hard. Yeah. <laughs> also, like, we are really a collaborative team. Um, it's not just like it's one authored pen that sort of dictates yeah. everything on the project. Um, we do heaps of peer review and get everyone's ideas and opinions and put them all through the machine. But the other thing is it's really hard. Is we're going through this huge growth phase right now because, like we said, we added 20 people last year. But in the last few weeks, we've added a person a week. Yeah, like we we're really accelerating, and it's really hard to onboard and hire people during yeah. COVID. Yeah, <laughs> as much as you can say to someone, like you know, reach out to me if you need anything. Like it's a it's a scary thing to do. Still, it's really intimidating, especially as we grow, um, and we're very very aware of that. So um, it's yeah, it's definitely one of the worst times for us to go into this phase. But um, the team of re- like the team have been very resilient with this stuff. The team are also very understanding and respectful of each other um in these times which is which is awesome and very 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 we're very grateful for it because it's 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 a lot of work on the leadership team and the founders to 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 make sure everyone's happy and healthy yeah we're putting some good new processes too that have just got more robust like our onboarding process now is just so much better than what it used to be mm-hmm. yeah. it was always good but it was like it's just yeah. getting better and better now and we're really waiting mm-hmm. on that um mm-hmm. and that helps too yeah. mm-hmm. the timing Bad. Yeah. Bad yeah, really bad time. Well, one thing I thought might be, you know, some useful tips for other folks is, you know, what kind of uh, tools are you actually using to kind of collaborate at the moment? Because, you, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, again, Slack's always that thing everybody kind of knows about, but I imagine you probably had to test out a few different things to try to find mm-hmm. some good ways to work together remotely. Yeah. So we're using, obviously we've, we've always been very, um, very Slack heavy um, organization, but recently we actually had to make sure we had, we have a plan because Slack once went down when we're all working from home and we're like, Oh, what do we do? Oh no. And everyone was like on Twitter, like tweeting each other, like is Slack down for everyone. So we've had to make sure we've got plans for that. Um, But we, we've been making sure to utilize Zoom and make sure Zoom is actually very seamless with Slack. So making sure they talk to each other as well as our Google calendars are another thing that obviously we use very, very intrinsically because it is a way that people can protect their own time and, and make sure that, um, that we're not booking meetings over each other because we don't have the the natural speak speaking that we have in the studio. Um, we've been using a tool called Miro a lot as well, which is a it's a visual uh, what would you call it, Blake? Like a visual a visualizer of ideas and and digital brainstorming, whiteboard. like a yeah. digital whiteboard. Because it seems like it can be whatever you need it to be almost. But yeah. sometimes I wonder is that yeah. too broad or is it? <laughs> It's 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 good. We've definitely made sure to use it. We're only using it in a very um, restricted way. You can use it where everyone jumps in and collaborates, but we wanted to kind of baby step into it. So we're actually using it that only like the facilitator uses it and and production. Um, so we've been using that um, quite a bit. We've just been relying on things like Google Slides and all that kind of like traditional um, those traditional tools. I think we are um, getting a little bit more sophisticated in some of the ways we do collaborate though like even yeah we brainstormed before was just get everyone in a room but now it's like okay let's do like a round robin collect ideas and then have an alignment and then like we're doing we're trying different concepts of having like chickens in meetings so if we need to get collaboration instead of like feeding information through chinese whispers we can have a small group of people invited to a meeting as decision makers and then have like an audience to the meeting Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And they're only allowed to, yeah. chat, to talk to us via the chat tool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just ways of like trying to get better and more coordinated so we can still disseminate the information. People get context because that's yeah. really important because what was happening is we'd make decisions in meetings, come out of a meeting, 
and then there was context miss, mix, mi- missed or mm. a problem missed. And then yeah. we have to get all those people back next week into that meeting yeah. to change the decision. Yeah. Even even to that point, Blake, we um I had to, I did a big piece of work like recently into actually creating a process on how to run effective meetings. Because when we're in per- person, we can kind of get away with having a meeting that doesn't really have an agenda because it's more natural and you're all there in the meeting room. But it was very clear on Zoom that if you don't have an agenda, it's just silence because no one will say anything. And so we've really um, made sure that folks, especially our production team, they know how to facilitate and run really effective meetings because we're trying to get people out of Zoom as quickly as possible because it sucks. It's really it's really exhausting. Um, and so we've been coming up with ways to really make sure we have really good processes for that so we're not wasting time and we're not um, making it awkward or having people talk over each other because zoom is not the same as being in person as much as we can try and have it the same it's it's definitely not for sure we also have the concept of focus days so our Mm -hmm. tuesdays and thursdays are focusing for ic work so you can load up as many meetings as you like on monday wednesday friday and to be honest those days for most of the leadership team are back to back every minute of the day is in zoom but then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, you usually have time to yourself where you can review things or write some stuff um, just mm-hmm. to keep those different areas bucketed together. Yeah, that's great. Um, look, before we wrap up, I just wanted to touch on, you know, the Girl Geek Academy stuff that, you know, that you helped mm-hmm. to or you, oh, I like the focus pulling, good work. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it seems like a really you know, great initiative and it does seem like League of Geeks kind of helps to support the capacity to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Like it seems like there's a nice kind of, you know, space created there to be able to give something back through that. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like it's, it's been very organic and it's uh, it's funny because we girl geek was founded only uh, about four months before I joined uh, league of geeks. And that's how I got um, and met Trent originally was actually through uh, me having printed myself a business card and pretending like I was a real business owner and, uh, and, and got a meeting with Trent about Trent and Dan Golding about uh, free play actually. And uh, I was very, very new to the Melbourne game scene. And that's um, so the growth between my career at league of geeks and growing girl geek as a, as a company is very much been hand in hand. And um I've, I've used a lot of the things and the problems that we face at League of Geeks and the problems that I've seen obviously within the industry to feed back into the programs that we've created uh, with Girl Geek. And then obviously using the, the resources we have at Log to feed into that as well. So last year we ran a early career incubator program that went for six months uh, for women and non-binary folk in their early careers um, in, in Melbourne. And that basically uh, needed a bunch of mentoring as well. So I got um, Emily, who's our lead designer, to come on board and offer three hours of her time actually no it's more than three hours of her time to do mentoring um and that was great it was a great opportunity also for us to understand who are the up-and-comers in the games industry so it definitely feeds both ways so I have you know created an amazing network of awesome talented folk within Melbourne and broadly more Australia as well now and that means that when we at League of Geeks are looking for juniors or mids or anything like that we have inherently a really great uh, base of a community to look into because the old ye old Rolodex syndrome of the old the old version of the games industry definitely uh, existed for uh, men definitely and making sure that we have the same thing for um, women in the games industry has been really really important to League of Geeks because we know that we have an instant network and be able to see where everyone's at. And so it's been really awesome because I can kind of, I've been able to manage both of those kind of activities hand in hand. And it's definitely had pros and cons to both, to both parties involved. We even have between Girl Geek and League of Geeks, we have a shared um, Slack channel. So we can actually talk to Sarah and stuff. Cause obviously Sarah Moran, our CEO at Girl Geek, um, and even Blake and Sarah have, have a great relationship as well, because there's a, there's a lot of, you know, overflow between our work with Film Victoria, Blake's work with Film Victoria, Log's relationship. It's all, it's all part of the same, <laughs> the same thing, which is really, really awesome. Um, and it's, it's very beneficial. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We're all, the industry, yeah. yeah. Exactly right. And, uh, it's great. It's um, it's really, really awesome, and uh, I'm very grateful that I can do both at the same time, wear both hats. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, you know, I'll ask you, Blake, that you know, it it seems like you know, it's sort of something that just you know came with the awesome package that is Lisi. So you know, congratulations. <laughs> um, but it's like 
yeah, I guess it does seem like, you know, it's probably a good example of through those kinds of programs that, that have been run that, yeah, that, that opening up of the talent pool and sort of the people you might identify that you wouldn't otherwise have identified that mm. there has to be some great value there that I think hopefully other people can kind of notice. Oh, absolutely. But also I think it's been like, if we think about the formula for success for League of Geeks, like, I want to say it's the amazing game we made, but I don't think that's true. I think it's actually, it's all the relationship building, mm. the helping other people, the advice sharing, like as much advice as we've heard from other people, we've given out. And as yeah. much support we've received from others, we've given like twice fold back. And, um, and I think that's been like that. If there was a magical recipe to any of our success, <laughs> that's been that. And it's, you know, it's the dinners we have and, um, and every beer and catch up we have overseas, especially with the Romano guys. I know you interviewed them recently. Um, they were huge supporters of us and they taught mm. us so much, like in the early days, early years where they would mm. definitively like put us on the right track. Awesome. Um, and, you know, for us to be able to help the house house guys and um, Paperbark and other projects as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Grace Bruxner, she came through with us. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And straight away, I think Lisey identified like the star spark in Grace. And you know, we got behind Grace straight away. Yeah, it was it was a very it was a very awesome day to be like, okay, Grace, I think um, I think you need to move on from League of Geeks. <laughs> I think you are ready to go on and do bigger. And she's like, yeah, actually, I, I I'm going to go work on this thing full time. And it was like, it's really nice to be able to like when you have someone that you really like working with, move on to just kick kick goals in their own areas. Like it's yeah. a it's a really it's a really great feeling with with regard to things like retention of staff and everything like that um but yeah it's been it's been really awesome I think and also I think we a lot of us at League of Geeks we just inherently like helping other people we we work in this industry because we love it we want to help other people we want to see other people succeed um we also are like incredibly obviously proud of being Melbourne and Victorian game developers so we're always constantly like where is other people in our industry to help boost them up at the same time as us as well so um if there's anyone that ever needs any advice we're always trying as best as we can to to give back um to the to local devs and and the australian games community more broadly mm, that's half of our gcaps is uh i know it's so funny i because i was like we have to make sure we're doing as many talks as possible but now i think we've submitted way too many talks <laughs> which is great which is really really awesome but we volunteer a lot of our time to like Trent with free play and myself with film Victoria and um, uh, the GDAA and IGEA. And uh, I think it's, it's really about helping to push the industry forward. Mm-hmm. And as I said, I think that's important for all of us and we all benefit from that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, closing thoughts, what are you, I mean, what do you hope for the the state of the industry over the next couple of years? I mean, it seems, you know, this, all this pandemic stuff is it probably isn't going anywhere anytime soon at a global scale. So, but you know, in general, even outside of that, what do we what do we hope the the next wave of evolution is? I guess for the Australian games industry. I well, firstly, I'm so excited. I think we're we I think we're already over the cusp of some explosive mm-hmm. growth in Australia, and I think IGEA um, released a paper recently saying that we've got the chance of actually being like a billion dollar industry in like the mm-hmm. next five to ten years. I believe it. I, I there's no doubt in my mind that we won't achieve that. Mm-hmm. Um, I see what's happening with House House and other studios and like the resurgence even at EA. They're like they got the, the momentum back yeah. and Sledgehammer and others. I, I think it's exciting. I, I, I welcome all these other studios getting um, building their strength because it's filling out the ecosystem and mm. in of games in Australia. And we had gaps. We had, you know, strength in indie and we had strength at different scales, but there was just like pockets of the no man's land, the abyss between those gaps in the ecosystem. And now we're actually filling those out. And once we have that working, it's going to be a more sustainable and healthy machine We'll see like really creative games. Like Australians have always done amazingly creative games. Now we'll have some resources and some strength behind us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I and I think um one one interesting thing that we're seeing, one of the benefits obviously of not having um everything going digital as well as is for the first time, I think we'll see a lot of industry, a lot of companies and individuals having access to um pitch sessions that they may not have never have been able to do. They they don't have to fly to, to America now to potentially get a meeting with someone. Obviously there are networking and and things that you, they need to still be able to do in order to get to that point of having that kind of meeting. But there is potential that, you know, we're going to be able to have see publishing deals and all that kind of stuff happen that may not have happened before. Um, but that's just my own kind of like view on this type, type of like stuff with everything going digital. I'm not too sure if that's actually true. 
<laughs> but that's what I would like to see is the kind of the playing ground being like leveled a bit more with Australia being so separated from um, from America the uh, that now we're actually having to to play on that same kind of um, that field as well, which would be great like, to see. It's like we're all divided, so now we're all brought exactly. together. Yeah, exactly. Which I which I'd love to see and. And it's it's super exciting. Like I think um, with with Sledgehammer coming here as well, and like a lot of these different um, discussions again around tax breaks and all that kind of stuff. I think there's only going to be room for for growth of all different types of games being made um, in Australia, which is super cool. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're new coming into the industry for the first time, like coming out of uni, or whatever else, there wasn't really an industry large enough to supply the jobs. Mm. And I, I don't know where they're yet. But um, but it certainly is, we're, we're building up that momentum. And I know the studios are filling up with their leads and management and the experience. But then after that, there'll be room to be bringing in, you know, the wave of juniors behind and then learn from those mentors. Um, and that's, that's coming down the road. Thanks again to Blake Mitzi and Lisi Kane from League of Geeks for joining me on High Resolution. And thanks again to the Interactive Games and Entertainment Association, IGEA, for supporting this series of interviews with Australian game developers. I'm Seamus Byrne. This is High Resolution, part of the Biteside Podcast Network. Find more Biteside podcasts by just searching Biteside in your podcast app or head to biteside.com. Or find Biteside on your social medias. We'll be back with more great game industry interviews on high resolution real soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.